I'm joined in studio by Susie Byrne, who is a disability rights campaigner, and Carol Pollard of the RIAI to discuss the challenges that people with disabilities face when out and about in public spaces. Uh, Susie is obviously going to tell us what it is to be somebody with disabilities trying to get around our often quite awkward uh, Irish cities and towns. And Carol's job is going to be tell me what establishments should do, could do and also have to do to facilitate people with disabilities and what can and can't be done working within the frameworks that we have. And so, and if anybody has any uh, ideas or questions they want for either of my guests, uh, they can they can text into the show 53106. Ladies, you're both very welcome to High Noon. Susie, can I, can I come to you first of all? I've seen lots of times um, things on TV and stuff where, where they, they take a person who has a disability and they, they film them or they watch them trying to navigate their way around mm-hmm. uh, city streets. And, and some people say that's a bit of a... Um, I don't know what you would even say, a bit of it is there's something trite and doing it that way. It's a bit of patronisation or whatever. But having said that, those things have often opened my eyes as an able-bodied person to how difficult it is between the curbs and the mm-hmm. cobbles and the sandwich boards and the street signs and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Is it extremely difficult, for example, in Dublin to get around the streets if you have a disability? I don't think it's got any easier anyway. I think that in the last 10 years, Things have got more difficult because there's been less uh, policing as such of the systems um, street furniture, sandwich boards, um, entrances, uh, things like um, digging up the streets and not replacing it, the pathway in the way it was found, you know, putting temporary tarmacadam down instead. Patchwork quilts on yeah, the streets. Absolutely. Um, Lewis has made it really difficult. I have to say that the they have worked hard in trying to make sure there are bankways and ramps and things like that. But that's for people who are very able in wheelchairs to get around. If you're somebody using walking stick or a rollator or that, you know, it's very very uneven ground. But also access is not just about ramps and paving and things like that. There are other things about noise, about sensory, you know, disability. Disability is huge. Yeah. There are 600,000 people, according to the census, That's right. who have a disability in Ireland. We're talking about, you know, thousands and thousands of people with autism who design is important for them and being able to get in and out of buildings, be they public buildings or private buildings. And, you know, we have a constitution that protects the right of property owners and limits what they have to do. Reasonable accommodations, you know, if they have to do more than a reasonable and what is a reasonable accommodation, you know, so you have those issues, you have building regulations that are designed for the most minimal of standards, you know, part M regulations, as they are called. So it is for the smaller wheelchairs, not for, you know, we now have technological adaptations. We have people are able to do much more if they get the funding to be able to access things. But, you know, the chairs are bigger, they can do more, but the design has not caught up with that. And and, and as 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 a person with a disability, when you say that that, that these these sort of regulations are to do the minimum, do you mean that they're almost like sort of we can say we've done something, but actually in in terms of actually facilitating people with disabilities, we we fall far short of the mark. I've gone into newly built hotels and tried to access the bathrooms and the bathrooms are tiny. And these are the so-called disability bathrooms, you know, where the door opens in such a way, but it won't be there able to facilitate everybody in a wheelchair to be able to get in. And also maybe to have somebody in there with them. 
And if we look at the bathrooms and for people who might need a changing table, we have a campaign called Changing Places, which in the UK has seen a huge amount of um, spaces be developed where changing tables are and hoists are there for people who might adults who need them. Um, and for older children in Ireland, we only have about four of the these country. in the country, you know, and it means that limits people being able to go out with their families, you know, limits people being able to go to work, being able to enjoy all sorts of social and cultural occasions. And so where we're supposed to be a more open, inclusive society, actually, we've become less so in that people can't go out because they don't know if the facilities will be there when they do. Okay. Can I bring you in, uh, Carl Pollard? Mm-hmm. Carl, you're the president of the Royal Institute of Architects of Ireland. When you hear Susie talk about the difficulties of, of navigating not just our towns, the physical streetscapes of our towns, but also buildings. Do you think planning and architects and government and regulation are failing people with disabilities? I wouldn't go so far as to say that they're failing. I think there's a lot of a lot of improvements could be made. I think the spirit of Part M is probably quite good. Um, and its application is probably where it falls down. And and while I acknowledge, and Susie is right about the changing technology in terms of sizes of wheelchairs and and um, and the needs of people um, of our our society, not all of whom are actually what we would consider maybe to be disabled. I'm talking about our elderly population as well, which is we have a huge number of people over the age of 65 in Ireland, and that that figure is growing and growing. Yeah. We're going to have a lot. We've of also a huge number of people with obesity, and they have yeah. mobility problems too. But yeah. are we doing are we doing enough? Is it just lip service in terms of minimum requirements that are, are made to, to buildings and stuff, no. or are we actually trying to make buildings and streets user friendly for people? I think we I think we are trying to make. I mean, certainly as architects, in terms of our training and compliance with uh, with Part M of the building regulations. You know, we have to comply and we have to sign certificates to say that they do comply and a disability access certificate has to be got for every building. The thing about it is, is that our society has changed so much. Myself and Susie were talking about this outside is that, you know, we've people participating in society now that were hidden away in the past, you know, and be that a physical disability or an intellectual disability or mental health problems, or as you say, uh, people who've, who've, who've just got ongoing health problems and ageing populations. So we're kind of playing catch up a bit in terms of, of that. But, you know, we really need to embrace that. And I know we, we we spoke about it recently at our conference we had at the weekend. And and this was was one of our sessions and uh, architects were speaking about the need. I mean, inclusiveness reflects our society and our humanity. And we do need to uh, apply part M in in the way it is intended. So if, you know, we don't just stop at the minimum. We can't stop at the minimum. But not everybody who owns a building employs an architect to alter it. A lot of people are doing alterations that don't require planning permission. Therefore, a disability access certificate doesn't come into play. Therefore, the standards are not the same. Do you think there is a, a conflict, Carol, between the needs of people with disabilities and the wanting to have sophisticated design, you know, aesthetically pleasing and all that kind of stuff and also... Um, financial implications. Do you, do you think that there is is a conflict there that people, yes, they want to include people with disabilities, but actually they, they still want it to look sleek and amazing and that that's probably and win prizes and all that kind of stuff. And also they want to keep the costs down as far as they can too. Are, are, is there an inherent conflict there? 
Um, no, I think buildings that are slick and amazing are sometimes the most inclusive buildings um, and they do address the issues of people in terms of access and use and lighting levels and um, and textures and surfaces and orientation, how people orientate themselves around a building that they're easy to understand. Cost is obviously is obviously a factor as well. Um, but I do think we have the it's a, it's an awareness. And I think the work that Susie's doing in her groups is, is what we need more of. We need more advocacy. We need more awareness. Do, do we need to change? I, I was just looking at over the yeah. weekend in London, there was that uh, collision between a car and pedestrians. And that was on Exhibition Road in London, which is, is a very modern streetscape where they have done away with um, curbs and they've done away mm-hmm. with uh, bollards and they've done away with, with signage and all kinds of stuff to make it a, a what's called a holistic space, I believe, between cars and people and all that kind of thing. But also it means because of that, that, that there's very little protection in terms of security. Are we going to have to be bringing in ideas around that now too? Because we are looking at things from from an anti-terror point of view uh, of increased levels of uh, barriers and bollarding and all that kind of stuff. Is that going to be something we have to take into account in terms of design around our streets and that will be a problem for people with disabilities too? No, I I think that's absolutely the wrong way to go with design. I think all these handrails and barriers and blocks and curbs and bollards, I mean, nobody wants to live like that and we don't need to live like that. People, you know, we have to, uh, citizens using a city we, we're all intelligent people, you know. We they we are talking inter- about increasing the, the the degree of that now in London and, and in Paris and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, they need to look very carefully about how they do. One of the examples that came up at our conference this weekend was uh, at the Opera House in Oslo, and the Opera House in Oslo has um, people can go up onto the roof, access on, on ramps, and we saw uh, photographs of that. And there was everybody there: children, families, people in wheelchairs, people using you know walking sticks of all ages, shapes, sizes on this building up on the roof. And there's no handrail on the roof. There's different levels of surfaces. There are routes that you can get up that you don't have to negotiate steps. But people enjoy that building. That's one of the most popular attractions in in Oslo now. So if you're if you're putting up barriers to stop terrorists driving into crowds, that's one thing. I mean, in in terms of urban design and, and urban realm, and I think this is an important part about urban realm. In Dublin, we're starting to do our public realm better. You know, we've got the, the plan now for College Green. We did a, a, a wonderful job as done on O'Connell Street. I know it's looking very battered again with the Lewis, but what we need to do is we need to design and think in design and then we need to maintain you know, it's like you were saying, we can't then litter the place with sandwich boards and, and bollers that don't aren't part of the original design. Susie, can I bring you back in? Do you do you think it's all down to design? I mean, a lot of people are getting in, in touch with this and one texter says, bin collectors leave emptied bins mm-hmm. on the footpath with no regard to those using the path. On collection day, I have to push bins back against the wall to get my pram passed. I can't imagine how frustrating that is for somebody in a wheelchair with a mobility issue. Is there more than just design here? Are we inconsiderate? Mm-hmm city dwellers? Do we leave our bins and our sandwich boards and all kinds of crap on the roads in people's way? Absolutely. I mean, there's a campaign that's been run by Dublin City Council and many of the disability organisations about making way in Dublin, you know, and and, uh, people are parking on paths. You know, that's something that regularly gets in my way that I have to go out onto the road in my mobility scooter because the pathway is blocked. Um, we into also, the traffic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we also need to factor in these discussions into things like housing. You now look at the debate that's taking place about how we are going to build and accommodate people in the future. And what is that going to mean for people with disabilities if we reduce the sizes 
of accommodation so much that they will not be able to be made accessible for anybody to move into. So we are not, we will, where we were in a space where, say, many people with wheelchairs could move into newly built apartments because they were meeting specifications. There is spaces now being reduced so much that it means that we won't be able to have accessible bathrooms for those people who need that they'll have to be specially built again and they will be less likely to be built because they'll be more expensive. And you're to talking build, about you know. segregated accommodation again, then for people and moving, you know, and people not being able to share. When we're looking at these, I'm not in favour of these young urban professional spaces where they all share kitchens that you know the minister was talking about last week. But um, if they do go ahead, you won't see people with disabilities moving in no. with their able-bodied colleagues if they're not being designed. L- last you know, question with, for, for you, Susie. In in terms of obviously when we're going forward, new bills can be designed in a certain way. Streets as they're upgraded can be uh, you know changed in certain ways. You know, there's been a bit of debate about whether or not there should still be cobbles in Temple Bar and mm. all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But existing buildings, existing housing stock, um, you know, we live in, in a lot of Dublin is Victorian or Georgian. Does it gall you as somebody with a disability that the the preservation of the architectural design of these old buildings could be perceived to be being put ahead of the needs of the actual living, breathing members of of the society that use them because it they look very pretty, the big windows and the big staircases and all. But when you can't get up and down them and you can't get in and out of them because you have a mobility issue, does it gall you that buildings are being put ahead of people? It does because when I see that there are examples of ways in which you can do things that accommodate everybody that still keep the historic building but then also mean that people with disabilities can get in and out of them and I think that it too easily can be used as an excuse in which to prevent anything being done when in fact if you work together with architects and designers to actually make places accessible those things can be done even the old buildings even the old buildings things can be done Okay listen my sincere thanks for coming in that is Susie Byrne disability rights campaigner and Carol Pollard who is the president of the Royal Institute of Architects of Ireland for a very interesting conversation that I think we'll try and get back to.